you should be able to take any project that you're interested in and turn it into a win-win for the owner just by listening to what their goals are and what they're they're needing to get accomplished. And that's, I often say that the number one skill in owner financing properties is listening. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason, J. Lou Lewis. And today we're going to be diving into a great topic, a topic that surrounds buying small multifamily using seller financing. Very creative way to get into the real estate game, grow your portfolio, and benefit sellers at the same time. So, Mr. Larry Fierro is our guest today. He has done over 10 apartments that he has used seller financing to acquire. He is the host of the Real Estate Marathon podcast and also owner of Dragon Rock Properties. Welcome, Larry, to the show. Jason, I'm glad to be here, man. It's an honor. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, really excited about this topic. I've done a couple seller financed projects myself and looking back, they are probably some of my best returns simply because I had no of my own money into them or I had minimal money and the amount of headache and hassle uh, of acquiring them was very minimal because of the fact that I didn't have to go through bank financing and all of the headache and I mean, they ask for your your future grandchild's middle name today. So they do. It, they yeah, do. it's it's crazy. I'm going through one with Bank of America on a on a um, on a purchase up in Frisco in Summit County, and and it's a jumbo loan. And man, it is every K one and forty ninety eighty S and forty ninety eighty RS and T's and Q's and every number and letter combination they'll ask for it. So I look back at my first one. I think. First deal I did was uh, here in Denver was seller financed. Um, I actually still have that note today. We sold the property, made a solid return on it, and he was so happy with us carrying the note that uh, he wanted just to keep it. So we just put it as a second on one of our other properties that had some equity. So, but that's why I'm all excited. Is is it's personally worked for me, and I've seen the value of it. So I, I'm in no way. Uh, an expert or done that many of them. So I'm, I'm myself excited to hear how you're able to do 10 of them and, and what you're seeing as ways to, to really kind of up that game on the seller financing. So let's, let's start off with just our kind of normal fun question of how did you get in the real estate game? Let's take us back to that, that first transaction that you did. Well, I I actually went into the real estate game twice. Uh, The first time I bought property was right out of high school. Uh, one of my best friends was his mother was a real estate agent, and she had a property that that uh, the seller was having a difficult time getting rid of. It was a two unit apartment, and she brought it to us and thought that it would be a good fit for us to get a start in real estate. So we, a buddy of mine and I, purchased the property and ran it as landlords, and realized there's some decent money that can be made in in real estate, and we didn't have to go through a bank, so it was. It was a rather quick closing and, and uh, you know, we just, we ran it for quite a while like that. 
And then I ended up getting married and having kids. And as soon as the kids came along, I, I made a mistake at this point, in my personal opinion, we ended up selling the property to, to bring in the, the cash um, so we could take care of our child. If I could have gone back and done it again, I would have doubled down on real estate and probably had a rather impressive portfolio by now, but I chose to go that route. Uh, back in 2006, 2007 uh, is when I started thinking about real estate. I realized that you know, I needed to do something. We were living paycheck to paycheck at this point and we didn't have our financial house in order. So I figured I better learn how to get that around. So I started figuring out how to get our credit scores to where they needed to be, get our debts paid off, get debt free. And real estate was a, a very good mode to do that. So started really, really doing the research on the real estate and figured, you know, let's, let's try it. It was good to me in high school or right out of high school. So let's see what kind of uh, properties are out there. So I started looking for markets and we ended up buying our first property in 2012. And uh, that was one that had been on the market for a long time. And we offered owner financing to a woman who actually had moved out of state and was just looking to get rid of it. And we actually helped her solve a problem by taking it off her hands and she made a decent return on it. So it was a win-win there. And after that first property of the second go around was done, it just, we, we got addicted to it, did everything we could. We read every book that we could find on it and just accumulated 10 different buildings. So at this point, uh, I just actually recently retired from my full-time job. So I'm full-time into real estate now. <laughs> That's great. So is it full-time investing? I know you have the podcast and then, and then uh, Dragon Rock Properties. So is that what's kind of the, the main day-to-day? It is. It is. We've, uh, we've done Dragon Rock Properties for the real estate. So we, we run our own portfolio. We are our own property managers, which is, as everybody knows, can be a handful. And You, you still have a lot of hair uh, for um, being well, self, self-managed. So. Uh, this isn't my normal haircut either. I had to go with the Corona crew cut. I'm calling it because my barber was out of business for a little bit. So, Hey, well, you um, still, still got plenty of hair up there for uh, managing your, your own properties. So normally it, it puts a little gray or a little extra receding hairline and the stress <laughs> of dealing with tenants and water issues and roofs. So um, good, good on you. It does. It does. And it's one of those things where as long as you take care of the problems right away and try not to defer too much maintenance, then generally your hassles and your headaches are minimal as going forward. You're always going to have a little bit of problems, but once you take care of them, they usually last for quite a while. So that's one of the things that we found out. And last year, I was looking at the return on the investments that I had, and they were great returns. Uh, and decided I really wanted to look into larger multifamily units, and I figured the way to, best way to do that would be to find a mentor, somebody that could show me the ropes because I had no idea what I was doing in multifamily. And uh, we joined uh, the Jake and Gino community, the Wheelbarrow Profits, and he put us in what's called an accountability pod. So it's like a mastermind group. And my co-host Mike was in that mastermind group and him and I had been talking quite a bit and I'd been thinking about joining or starting a podcast for a long time. And it was one of those things where I just wanted to start the podcast and try and help people get to a financial independence like I had achieved. And Mike was on board and the rest is history. That's great. Well, let's, let's dive into owner 
for seller financed properties? Kind of what's what's the top tips if you maybe have five or 10 kind of top tips or steps? I don't know if you have like a very strategic step to saying, okay, here's how you mark, find them. Here's how you market them. Here's how you call them. Here's how you buy them. Here's how you then uh, hold them and sell their finance. Here's how you refi them afterwards. So, or sell them. Well, one of the things I I usually start out by saying is that I, in my personal opinion, every deal could end up being an owner finance deal of some sort or another. Um, And that being said, you know, you just have to look for properties that meet the criteria. There's some criteria out there that you you look for, and it's it's basically just determining who's a motivated seller. You know, is the property been on the market for a long time? Is the property have a lot of deferred maintenance? What exactly is the situation with the property? Do you see um, grass growing outside? You know, if if there's no landscaping being done, then that generally could mean that there's a landlord that's kind of burnt out. And one of the tips that I got several years ago was if you see, um, I, I like to watch the the ads for rental properties or rent rental apartments that are available. And what I'll do is I'll call the landlord and ask him if the property has been rented. And if it has not, then I'd like to kind of start a conversation to see if they would be interested in maybe getting out of the apartment business. And, you know, you get hung up a lot. Some people hang up, they get offended that you wanted to try and try and take their apartment from them. But if you're okay with hearing the word no, then owner finance properties is one of those things that that could be for you. So yeah, that's one of the things, properties in disrepair. And what I meant by the fact that any property could have, be owner finance, I've had a, one of my properties, I'll give you an example, we actually went with a conventional loan on, but the owner took back a note for the down payment. So, you know, 70% of the property was owner finance, the other 70 was bank financed. So you, you just got to think outside the box and you should be able to take any project that you're interested in and turn it into a win-win for the owner just by listening to what their goals are and what they're they're needing to get accomplished. And that's, I often say that the number one skill in owner financing properties is listening. You have to be able to hear what their people are trying to accomplish. You know, are they trying to retire? Are they just burnt out? Do they have health issues? One of the properties I bought, the, the woman got promoted out of state, so she just wanted to get out of it. You know, is it something that somebody inherited for somebody else? They have no idea how to run an apartment. So they just want to get out from under it. There's just a lot of different, a lot of different scenarios. And if you start asking the questions, talking to the the seller, finding out what the situation is, then you should be able to have a better idea on how to go about making an offer and, and gauging it towards their specific situation. Right. So what, what are some ways that you find them other than calling on the different rental ads online. Is there any way that you specifically kind of target and then how do you go about contacting them? Well, I have, I actually have some, some real estate agents that know how to do the owner financing. They, once you get to a certain point where they know that you're a closer, it's important that you're not wasting their time and you have a good rapport with them because if they think that you are a closer, Anytime they get something that meets your criteria, they'll actually start bringing it to you. So you don't have to, at a certain point, you don't have to go out and look for them because your real estate agent is doing the looking. Um, That being said, one of the things that I use is I like to use direct mail marketing. 
you know, you, you buy a list of properties that meet my criteria. They have to be a certain percent paid off. The, the seller has to have a certain amount of equity and, you know, you just sell, you just send out direct mail marketing and try and get responses. The letter we send says, are you interested in selling your house? We're interested in buying, we can close quickly and that sort of thing. So, and that's one of the big ones. Do you highlight that it's seller financed is what you're looking for? Or do you not put that in the initial letter? We, we don't put that in the initial letter, but if you don't put it in the initial letter, you actually have to be prepared to close with cash or however they want to close. Um, it's just one of those things where when we first get the initial call in, we start feeling them out at that point. You don't want to just start with owner financing because one of the things that I've found is that owner financing or seller financing has some negative connotations with it. A lot of people hear seller financing and they think, well, the reason you want to seller finance this is because you're broke. You don't have the money. You can't qualify for a loan. Um, you can't, you know, it just, it, it screams deadbeat and that's not the case at all. You just need to make sure that you dispel those myths because people don't understand that all you're trying to do is help them accomplish their goal. And it just makes it easier. The reason I ended up getting into owner financing was to protect the limited number of mortgages I could get through banks. So, yeah, yeah, that's limited at 10 essentially today. If sometimes it's even four, depending on what type of loan. So they definitely crack down on, on the type types and number of loans that you can get nowadays, which makes it difficult. So, um, well, you've got a hold of that person. They've called you on your letter. They've called you back from your voicemail that you left. How do you go about striking, striking the deal and, or bringing up the topic of owner financing? Well, the key is to figure out what their situation is. What, what is prompting them to call me back? First of all, you know, they weren't looking at selling or they were selling and didn't know that they wanted to talk about getting rid of the property. So what I'll do is I'll start the conversation with, you know, what exactly is going on? What, what uh, prompted you to give me a call back today? Are you looking to sell the property? Um, if you are, is there any specific reason why you want to get out of being the owner of this property? Are you retiring? Do you have any situation where you have a health issue? You know, I mean, it, these are just certain, and you're a little bit, I'm very tactful on the phone when I talking to people because you never know what the response is going to be. I was actually talking to one, one um, potential seller and they had inherited it from their parents and they didn't want, they didn't want the building anymore. And it was a touchy subject. So you talk a little bit about their, their parents and how they miss them. And it just, it was an open wound at that point. So you just got to be very cognizant of the fact that you have to be kind of laid back a little bit and just let them direct the conversation. And that was one of the things that we did. And I told them, you know, if you sell this property, we ended up getting around to that after a lot of crying and, and uh, the people were fairly upset. And we tell them, if you, if you want to sell this property and you sell it outright, you're going to have to pay a huge amount of capital gains tax. Would you be interested in seeing how you could take this and turn it into a monthly income without having to get hit with a, a capital gains tax or, you know, the inheritance tax, that sort of thing. So, and it ended up working out well for them and I'm still buying that house right now. And they, they look forward to getting that, that monthly paycheck in the mail and, and, you know, it helped them accomplish their problem. They don't have to be a landlord that they didn't want to be. And, and they got rid of the property that was, they saw as just a burden on them. Great. How do you structure it? 
what do you offer them? What types of term amortization, Mm -hmm. any prepayment, or is it, what are the terms? Usually on most of my properties, what I try and do is I try and amortize it over a 30 year term. And that what that does is that gives me a, a little bit lower payment. And I was offering, you know, going rate for interest, but I had actually talked to one of my podcast host or podcast guests that came on. His name was Chris Prefontaine. And uh, he actually had given me a tip that said, if you are buying somebody's house owner finance and you offer them their asking price, generally you should be able to purchase it with zero interest payment. So that means a hundred percent of the payment comes right off of the principal. And I, you know, I listened to him and it just, wow, that was something that I was not aware that it would be potential. And the next property that we purchased, I tried that and it actually, the people were like, I don't care if you pay interest on the money, I just want my asking price. So every payment I make now is 100% towards the principal. So, and generally that's what I do. I try and structure it with a 30-year amortization and a five-year balloon payment if it's a decent price. And what that does is that gives me a chance to to stabilize the property, get get a track record of rental income for it, and then I can go to my bank and refinance it out, and that'll give them five years to wait for the money. But then they get a decent chunk of money at the end of it. Yeah, that's great. We've, we had Chris on, I uh, would have been a week ago as a guest and he was highlighting uh, that as a unique offering, which was definitely interesting to hear that you, you just offer in 0%, but the way that he gets around it, he says, is he offers them asking. That's all they care about. They just want to ask. Yeah. So, yeah. And it was a, it was a unique concept that I had not heard of. And instantly I started thinking back through the properties that I purchased up to that point. And I was like, wow, I left a lot of money on the table. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the podcast for me has kind of been a, a somewhat of a selfish endeavor as well, because I sit there and I learn from all my guests as well. And that was one of the, the key takeaways for them is at, give them the asking price and, and zero interest and they'll usually jump on it. Yeah, that's great. Well, what do you do? How do you handle the, once you have it bought, have it owner financed. What are some tips to maintain that relationship? Because you're still in a partnership with that, that person, the seller, because they're your bank. Um, how do you go about making sure that that stays healthy and, and happy? And then any follow-up steps of refinancing or restructuring anything that you might recommend to the, the listeners? Well, the the number one key is communication with them because they're actually taking a chance on you uh, and by trusting you with the, one of their assets. And it's, you know, most houses are, are an expensive asset. And what you really have to do is just like a bank, you want to make sure that you maintain your payments on time, 100% on time, no late payments, zero, zero late payments. I can't stress that enough. Just make sure that you're sending it out. Make sure they have the money in their hand on the first of the month or whenever their your payment is set up as. Uh, another thing I like to do, you got to make sure that you take care of all your taxes. I know some newbie investors I've talked to, they get the rent money and they don't realize that they've got to put money away to pay those taxes. So they just use it as their personal bank. And I've, I've tried to counsel a number of people to make sure that they put money into an escrow account to take care of the taxes and, and all that. So you, you definitely want to make sure that happens. And a lot of the people that I purchased seller financing for, this is another unique 
um, aspect of the relationship is I, I've asked them at the closing if I could use them as a reference. And a lot of times people, when you're talking to somebody about owner financing, you tell them, look, I've done 10 properties owner finance already, and I can give you all 10 of the the sellers that bought that I bought from, and they'll give you a good reference for me. And that makes them feel a little bit better. If it was one or two, first starting out, it's one or two. And they were like, okay, yeah, one or two, but I've got 10, 10 different properties with, I think it's seven different sellers and that they'll give me a fantastic reference. And one of the great things about seller financing is it, generally when they're trying to get rid of one property, they own more than one. And it, they'll give you a try on the one property. And after six months or a year, it's working out fairly well for them. I've had owners call me, call me back up. I wasn't even looking for a property. And they say, look, this is working out so well for this property. Can you take a look at this one or this one? And I've got two or three more I'm trying to get rid of. And I'd like to structure it the same way because number one, they like the monthly income. Number two, they like not getting hit with that huge capital gains tax. So, and yeah, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah, when you you can get someone call you up and offer you seller financing on a quality property, that's you're winning right there. That's oh, that's yeah. getting creative for yeah, sure. Yeah, and I love it when they call me. I'm like, and generally I'll tell them I'll be right out, and I leave and go right to the property, take a look at it, and I have an offer to them by the end of the day. Usually, that's great, and that just makes them so happy because they're really just wanting to get out of the the properties. Yep, that's uh. That's great insight right there. Well, let, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with our final five. Hey, it's Adam Adams and I am thrilled and excited to announce the launch of my brand new, brand new YouTube channel. So I don't know if you like YouTube or not, if you watch YouTube or not, but if you do, head over and please subscribe to the Apartment Investing Show. This YouTube channel is 100% about apartments only. If you're looking to fix and flip, not the right show for you. If you're looking to invest in hotels, not the right show for you. This is the apartment investing show. And I mean the apartment investing show and I'm thrilled and excited about it. If you can, do me a giant favor, run over there right now if you're a YouTube watcher and find the apartment investing show, please Give me a rating and a review, like give us a thumbs up and subscribe, click that bell. We're going to be pushing out some amazing content on the YouTube channel. So if you are looking to scale and grow and get into apartments, whether it's syndication or just owning these on your own, the Apartment Investing Show is the right show for you. Go look for the Apartment Investing Show on YouTube right now, and I'll see you there. We're back with Larry. Fiero, and we're going to jump right into our final five. Larry, take us through your most creative real estate deal. All of them are, sounds like they're creative because they have the creative aspect of seller financing or owner financing, but uh, maybe talk us through a couple of the details of the most creative aspect sure. of that. Sure. Um, well, let, let me start with the first property that I bought, which was actually um, probably my most profitable property. It was the property that the woman had been promoted outside of state. She moved away from, she was three or four states over now and she still had this property. 
the property assessed for $65,000 and she, she had had it on the market for about a year, a year and a half. It was a duplex. It was a nice big corner lot. And what I did was I went in, took a look at it, called the woman, talked to her personally, and I ended up offering her 20, I think it was $22,000 for the property. And, you know, just threw it out there. My, somebody told me a long time ago, if you're, if you're not embarrassed by your first offer, you're offering too much. (laughs) So never thinking that I would, I would get it. She, she accepted the offer and she said she would finance it. So I gave her, I think it was $2,000 down and financed the rest of it with a five-year balloon payment. And basically that, that property right now, cash flows or gross cash flow right now is $1,500 a month on it. The, the net cash flow, I'm making about $900 a month after the, it's been all paid off. And one of the nice things about it is right after I finished paying it off, I went to the bank, refinanced it for $75,000 and pulled, pulled that whole amount of money out of it. So I was able to turn around and that's, that's how I was able to catapult into these other properties. You, you find that one deal that really just makes you a, a so much money that you can't help but use that money for down payments. So the way I structured it was it was $2,000 down. Monthly payment, I think, was like $150, $200 a month for five years. And then I ended up paying her, I think it was $10,000 cash to, to buy the mortgage after the five years for the balloon payment. That's great. That yeah. 900 net on a $2,000 initial investment, your return is uh, two, two months to get your initial capital back. And then down the road, uh, you, you cash out 50 or so K and still have the property cash flow. And that's, that's a winner right there, Larry. Yeah. So, yeah. well, what's, uh, where do you see kind of the market in, in 10 years and where do you see yourself and doing what at that time? Well, my personal opinion with everything going on with the coronavirus pandemic and everything, I think you're going to start seeing a shift away from cities. I think you're going to have more residential, more people wanting to be in smaller residentials like the duplexes, triplexes, and and quads. Uh, You get these properties that are 150, 200 unit properties, and it just seems it seems like they're, they're piled, they're stacked up on top of each other. I'm, it's not, I'm not against it, but it's personally not for me. I live in the country in a, in my own house in the middle of nowhere. So I enjoy that, that seclusion. But I think what you're going to see is people going away from cities because of the, the coronavirus. And, and I think you're going to be getting them away from any large crowds and that sort of thing. So in 10 years, you're going to see a boom in the residential and rural areas where you're going to have people, mass migrations out of the city into, into a little bit more rural area. So um, for me in 10 years, I think I'm going to be continuing to buy duplexes, triplexes, and quads, trying to expand my portfolio and using the money that I get from those 10 just to kind of catapult into larger multifamilies. I'm not against the larger multifamilies. I just think you're going to see a migration away from that kind of scenario. Um, but I think for every person that moves out, you'll find two or three that want to move into it. It's just, they're going to try and spread out a little more. Great. Well, what's a, a book or a podcast other maybe than, than your own, uh, that you recommend to people that are getting into the game or are in the game and are interested in furthering their, their knowledge. Uh, and now was that other than yours and Adam's podcast too, because I listened to that <laughs> religiously. 
Hey, so. that, 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 ours outside. Hopefully, they're already you know big fans of both. So, what, what's what's a what's a book or a podcast you recommend that you're a big fan of? Um, one of the books that I bought when I first started looking into multifamily was by Joe Fairless. It was the best ever uh, apartment syndication book. And that one just, it was mind blowing with as far as learning how you can get into these properties and get paid in so many different ways, you know, as a sponsor, you get paid as, as just, you know, if you're going to secure the note, if you're going to be the guy that comes in with your balance sheet, you know, there's just so many different ways to make money in, in apartment syndication. And that book was just one of those ones that after I read it, I just had a completely different outlook and shifted my focus more towards the, the multifamily, the larger multifamily projects. Great. What's one way that you like to give back to the real estate community that's given, given to you and allowed you to get these amazing owner finance portfolios? Well, the the one thing was the the thought leadership platform, the podcast that we started. It was mainly, I mean, we we just started it to give back. We didn't think it was going to get get to be the level that it is. And one of the things we wanted to do is just help people figure out how to get their financial house in order and turn around and take that knowledge and buy real estate so they can get out of their nine to five. When, when Mike and I first started, we read a statistic and it showed the number of people in the United States that live paycheck to paycheck. And you're starting to see with this pandemic and the amount of unemployment, how, how tenuous a situation it is for people who live paycheck to paycheck. So that was the main focus for us. We just wanted to show people how to not depend on that nine to five job as much as they are currently and just get your financial house in order and try to break the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck because it's a glorious thing when you don't have to worry about where your next bills are coming from or where everything is going to happen and you've got a nice nest egg in the bank. So that's one of the reasons we started the podcast and I don't regret that at all. We've had a lot of people reach out to us and say, you know, you've really made a difference in, in helping us try and figure out the financial house that we've got. That's great. It's a great way to give back. And, and yeah, it, that paycheck to paycheck is, is just tough. I mean, we, we have a lot of tenants that are living that, that lifestyle and, and you can hear it in their voice when they call up and needing a few extra days or something happens. Um, you can just hear it in their voice and I can even like picture that tenant and hear their, their voice over the years of the different ones. And it's just, it's kind of heartbreaking because um, they're good people. It is. And, you know, I've heard somebody say a lot of these people are one trip and fall away from a bankruptcy and that's not a good situation. And we just want to try and get out there and help make a difference. For sure. For sure. Well, what's, what's one way, what's the best way that we can throw in the show notes for people to reach out to you if they want to learn more about what you're doing or just connect up in general? Sure. Sure. Well, we, we have our website, which is realestatemarathonpodcast.com. Um, you can reach out to me on my email, Larry at realestatemarathonpodcast.com. We're on Instagram, Facebook, you know, all the, Great. all the social media. Great. We'll throw that in the show notes. So just, just to kind of recap on, on what we've learned today is that you can reach out to these different properties through calling for rent ads. You can have a broker. Larry sounds like that you have some good brokers that have helped you find them. Once you get them, it's all about 
listening more than talking, hearing their need, and then kind of structuring the overall proposal and deal around what their need is. And then um, always make the payments on time, early, hopefully even, uh, to make sure you keep that relationship healthy. And then uh, just kind of keep an open mind. It sounds like several of your sellers had a great relationship with you and then reached out after the fact and sold you some extra ones. So, and then kind of rinse and repeat, keep, keep on doing it. That's it. It's a, it's a cash machine that you can, as long as you're buying them right, you're going to be able to, to live on for the rest of your life. That's awesome. Well, Larry, I greatly appreciate uh, you coming on. Adam and I are, are thankful to have you as a guest and um, we want to keep, keep in touch and follow along in the success now that you are fully in the real estate game and, and quote, retired. So we, we wish you the best on that. So, Jason, it was an honor. I appreciate you and Adam, everything that you do to give back as well. Excellent. All right. Well, my friends, until next time, think outside the box. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Creative Real Estate Podcast. Jason Lewis and myself, Adam Adams, are grateful to have you as a loyal listener. And I do have one quick favor to ask is if you are looking for apartment investing, then go to apartmentinvestingshow.com. That is the brand new YouTube channel that I just launched. Brand new YouTube channel. Uh, again, this is only for apartment investing. That's all we talk about there. It is the Apartment Investing Show, and you can find it by going to apartmentinvestingshow.com. <laughs>